You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to speak with Catherine Williams about the trifecta model how a data scientist, a product manager, and a data engineer come together to help you achieve success anywhere in your organization. So Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this. It's fantastic. Your friend, Mike Basevich, who actually referred us, referred you to us, was a fantastic guest, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. I'm glad he referred me. Uh, he's one of my favorite people, and so it's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Well, Catherine, before we begin, can you tell us how you got to where you are? Well, my journey has been a bit of a long and winding one. Uh, I started off in academic mathematics, intending to become a professor uh, doing research and teaching, which was enjoyable for a while until it wasn't, and the novelty of papers and classes wore off, and I started looking around for something else to do, kind of broke up with that first life's plan. As it turned out, I jumped at the right time into the tech industry to a startup in the ad tech space right about 2012 when the, the data science and ML revolution was well underway, the ImageNet moment, um, and rode the wave of new technology, new data techniques, new applications, and uh, wound up leading a data science team and expanding into product and strategy at a company called AppNexus that was then acquired by AT&T. And then I left and joined Qualtrics, which is where I am now as the global head of IQ, which is broadly our intelligent um, features and functionality, AI and ML included, um, leading that team and, and trying to make a difference. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to get into the topic of our conversation because I did not know much about data scientists, science before I got into this gig. And as I've learned from you, from from folks like yourself, from my uh, from other data scientists who've actually been guests of the show, there's lots to learn, and it seems like the frameworks are evolving. But you have your own, so tell us about the trifecta model. Sure, great. This is one of my favorite soapboxes to stand on. Um, let me say a couple of things by way of preface. The first one is, like I said, I jumped into industry in 2012 and data science was very new on the upslope of the hype curve around that time. And so we definitely were in a mode of kind of trying to figure things out. Like there wasn't a playbook of like, how do you run a data science team? Lots of people had opinions and they wrote blogs, but they were kind of contradictory. And it was very unclear how to go about actually leading um, a successful data science team in practice. And so you know, we learned the hard way. Um, I learned this, what I'm about to tell you about the trifecta model kind of from the school of hard knocks of having it go wrong enough times and then trying to learn from that until we figured out the, the you know, robust pattern to get it right. I will also say by way of preface, now in hindsight, I can put it into this like really beautiful philosophical context. So bear with me for a second. Uh, 
Andrew Ng has said that he believes that AI and ML will be to the 21st century what electricity was to the 20th, that it will it has the potential to transform industries one by one uh, to be sort of unrecognizable from their previous selves. And I think that that's probably right. And so if you carry that metaphor a little bit further and think about what it means for an industry to be transformed by electricity, you think about wiring that electricity all the way through the business, right? Like you don't put it in a corner and say, okay, electricity, make magic happen. No, you, you wire it through all of your practices. You make sure that everybody is aware of how to be safe around the electricity, how to get safe electrical supply, et cetera. And so in hindsight, I think I can say that the trifecta model was my learned way of uh, doing that, of wiring the data set into the business. So what it is, is very simple. Trifecta three, right? Uh, we just learned that in order for a data science project to be successful. And most of our data science projects involve building algorithmic features for our platform at AppNexus. In order for those to be successful, we needed to have all three legs of a stool present, a data science lead, an engineering lead, and a product manager lead in some form or other. The product manager is the one who's dictating what the business goals are, what the customers need, making sure that we're pointing our ship in exactly the right direction. Um, the engineer is making sure that the constraints of the system are, you know, we're aware of those and that we're designing something that can actually be implemented. Um, I learned this at a, an ad tech company that was in the business of real time. And so we had a lot of constraints, as you can imagine, like very, very low latency, uh, very high throughput type systems. And, and what we could do in that context was pretty limited, actually. So we really had to be aware of that, those constraints. And then, of course, having a data science lead, somebody who's, you know, working closely with those other two folks to, you know, work with those constraints and those goals to design logic that's going to solve the problem. I mean, that was the fun part. That was the opportunity and the challenge. Wow. As you told me about the electricity analogy, you know, my personal experience of touching electricity was uncomfortable. And that's what it feels <laughs> like data scientists, sciences right now. People are like there's some folks that have accepted and they said, hey, you do need to put some uh, covering around the electric wires and plug them in and then it powers everything. And then there's some folks that just don't understand it and they just stretch it and grasp it and they're they're stunned by it and they don't know what to do. And and it's it's it couldn't be more true like what you've said, because this the this is what I think is actually happening in the world right now, is the people who are unlearning the way that they've been taught and relearning or learning about data science the right way are able to unlock its capability for all kinds of Exactly. I think that's exactly right. The metaphor works like remarkably nicely. <laughs> Hopefully, though, um, you know, data science, machine learning won't kill anyone. I think people did exactly. die, you know, <laughs> from true. electrical that's shock true. in the that's early true. days. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I, I guess, why is this important? Uh, like, you know, I mean, I understand the trifecta model, right? And, and, and I guess I'm a little bit more interested in, like, is some story where you, how you got to this thing, because I'm assuming as a mathematician or a statistician, you actually tried multiple different combinations. 
Yeah. And when you're working in an organization, especially a startup organization that's pivoting fast and shifting around and, you know, uh, things change rapidly, it can be hard to kind of instantiate a stable structure like this anyway. So sometimes we were working without one of those legs of the stool and sort of doing our best to try to shape a vision. Um, but you know what, it, it almost never worked out. So for instance, um, like I said, we were in the business of real-time ad serving. So there were some cases where, you know, we'd have someone, a product manager say, hey, the customers really need functionality like this. And the data science team would get really excited and have a really smart person go off and then like do some research and do, you know, do some prototyping and come back and say, oh, we could design a system like this. And it would be so awesome. And we we'll solve all these pieces and, you know, get pretty far down a certain rabbit hole and then turn around. And when we finally get around to talking to the engineering team about like, okay, let's, let's go build this. And they say, no way, that is dead in the water. There is no way to implement that with our real-time systems that could possibly work. Like, nah. Um, and, and, you know, and then it's just a waste of time and effort. And I think it's very demoralizing, honestly. You know, that's where some of this comes from. Like, yes, of course, I wanted to have a business impact, but I also wanted the members of my data science team to feel fulfilled and to see their projects come to fruition. And, you know, when you know that that's a possible outcome, if you're not engaging with engineering early enough, then that's possible. I think even more painful is the case where you don't have good product guidance, um, where you kind of think you know what the customer problem is, or you, you know, somebody has sketched something and then, and, and this did happen to us a couple of different times. Um, at AppNexus where we said, okay, customers want to optimize their advertising campaigns like this. Let's go figure out how to do a system that's gonna do the following thing. And we went off and designed like a really elegant system. And in some cases, I think even got pretty far down the line of building it. And in some cases even built it and then no one used it. And then sort of said, well, well why not? And then it turns out like, well, no, customers say that they're optimizing to this goal, but what they actually do is they sort of lie about their goal because they want to make margin on da, 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 da. You know, the way that they interact with the system is not the way we sort of believe that they were interacting with the system. And so we designed like the wrong product and built it. And, and that also is really excruciating. So I think we just learned um, from some of these failures, which are really painful, that we really have to make sure that we're asking the hard questions and, and digging down to the bottom of what the use cases are. And these are that's just good practice for product management generally, of course, but it's all the more critical when you're putting in that extra work and extra overhead to do, you know, some sort of scientific research and, and proof of concept before you get all the way to the implementation stage. Yeah, I've learned never to let somebody who's really good at ideating alone in a room with their data scientists, just no, that's just, you're just not coming back from that. You know, <laughs> it's like in the beginning of when I joined Demand Matrix, uh, the company that we work for right now, um, I constantly used to get asked the question, like, Asher, what problem are we trying to solve over here, right? And, and, and they were repeatedly asked the question. It was really annoying at the beginning. And then I realized if I don't quantify the gravity of the problem and explain it simply, I'm gonna get so much data that I don't even know what I'm gonna do with it. And then that's what I think is actually happening in go-to-market teams because there is some level of thinking that the data science teams are like the catalyst for massive conversion, which is true at some level, I think, uh, but you're about to educate me on this, but uh, but I think that there is this, this like notion that's happened where over the last 18 months, there either data scientist teams have been more focused on go-to-market teams or have started to become a part of go-to-market teams. And so what has your experience been? 
Well, telling our data science story became a big part of our data, our, our go-to-market motion at AppNexus, and it's it's increasingly that way at Qualtrics as well. Partly because I think when you get the the data science, when you get the machine learning pieces right. Um, especially if you have a virtuous cycle where you're using customer data to build better and better models, that kind of a virtuous cycle, then that's something really differentiated for the, for the product or the platform that you're selling. And so it's something, it's a story that you want to tell. Now it's dangerous. Um, I think you want to have that communication. What can go wrong is the go-to-market teams sort of get a hold of some buzzwords and they start painting a picture that doesn't match with the reality and you wind up with really frustrated customers who say, well, I thought you were going to use deep learning to solve all my problems. And you're like, well, you know, the reality is not quite like that. Um, but on the plus side, if you can kind of rein in that <laughs> freewheeling buzzword view. Um, tendency that I think, you know, all marketing teams have to some degree, no offense to them. Um, I think sometimes when you can connect the the marketing and the go-to-market motion, the sales enablement and so forth materials to what the, the true details of what is exciting and underpinning the technology and, and ground it credibly, I think it, number one, resonates so much more deeply with customers when they can sense that it's not just hype. Um, and number two, it comes off all the more differentiated. I know that uh, in my role as chief data scientist at AppNexus, I would often get pulled into high-level sales conversations. And I felt that my role there was to provide credibility to some of the claims that we were making. And it was very important to me that the claims we were making were things that I could stand up and say, yes, that is true. You know, I'm putting my own credibility on the line and saying, yes, we can do that. We're using this kind of machine learning in this way. And it's not just kind of a hype or, or sweeping some, some details under the table. And I think it wound up serving us quite well. Like my, my credibility in that regard, I think made a difference in terms of selling the story and selling the, the differentiatedness of our platform. So that's actually a really good point on where to bring, uh, I would say experienced and highly trained uh, folks like yourself into the go-to-market motion because if you are trying to leverage this in sales outside of like who should we go target how should we go target them what types of information is available so that we can share the value up front if you uh, if the data science is a competency in your go-to-market motion that you do want to highlight then as the sales team the onus is on you to work with the data science team and come up with those proof points together, which are actually uh, substantiated by the data science team and not the sales team on some slide, and and then let the data scientist actually tell the story, because almost all of you you uh, senior leaders that I've spoken with um, are able to to tell an amazing data story. And, and most SaaS applications are about features, but the data flows through those features. And so utilizing you properly is actually a, a I would say, can be, can be a big force if it's applied properly. I think so. I think of it kind of like a translation function. Like there's so much good content over on the data science side, but it has to be translated to be yes. able to be impactful on the go-to-market side. And so having somebody who can 
can bridge that gap and, and, and tell that story, I think can be very impactful. And I don't think it has to be somebody like me necessarily. I think folks on the go-to-market side can get more educated, you know, and learn more about, and, and so that they can speak confidently about some of the details. They won't know them all the way to the bottom, of course, but they can learn and get educated and speak some of that language. And similarly, um, in my teams, I cultivated my leaders to be able to go into um, sales conversations or customer conversations and make sure that they were sort of learning how to understand what the high-level business were, objectives were and to translate back and forth. And I think that's a great skill for any up-and-coming data science leader to have as well. Yeah. Also, what I learned the hard way is there's no absolutes in data science. So if you're looking for a yes or a no, the answer is always maybe. <laughs> that is true, which can be frustrating. Um, yeah, I, I found that I would sometimes try to get around that by asserting in meetings, um, yes, we can absolutely do that. I just don't know how soon. <laughs> you know, that's where the squishiness comes in. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And again, and this is part of the unlearning, right? Like most go-to-market people are dealing in some level of absolutes and and uh, and it's like, when is this thing done? When is that going to be done? When is this customer going to go live, et cetera, et cetera. And I had to unlearn uh, that as well and and think of it as flow and and try to actually guide the conversation to the way that is supported by the data scientist versus putting the data scientist on the spot for the answer. Great. So uh, we always like to make this podcast a little bit actionable, right? So is there a book or a blog or a newsletter that you follow that can educate people more on data science or product management and data scientists together or the trifecta model? Or do you have one? Oh, no, I do not. I wish I had the spare time to, to write one, but I might just say the same things over and over again, like use the trifecta model. How exactly. many times can I say it? Um, no, I mean, I follow, I, I follow specialty topic type blogs and things and sort of jump around. So I don't know that I have any great recommendations there. And the books that I read tend to be more around team management and culture and, okay. and, and that sort of thing. So I don't know that I, I can give any great recommendations like on the spot for this in particular. Yeah, no problem. But is, and which leads me to one other burning question that I just thought of, is building a data <laughs> science team different than building any other team or are there are there some special needs that the data science teams have that the other leaders just need to be careful about of and because like dealing like a lot of our audience is VPs right and and in some cases those VPs are getting introduced to building data science teams or the concept of of uh, of teams like you've created yeah well i have a point of view here um, I do think that hiring and building data science teams is a little different than others. Um, and I think there are two factors that make that the case. One is that it's still a pretty new discipline. And the other one is that there's a lot of creativity and exploration required. And I guess maybe that's true in a lot of different disciplines. But I will tell you, um, I spent a number of years of my career building and leading data science teams at AppNexus and then Xander, which is part of AT&T. Now that I'm at Qualtrics, I'm leading an engineering division. And so I'm much more embroiled in hiring and developing engineers. And there's a strong contrast between what you look for in engineers. You look for a certain sort of professional skill set. And you don't want cookie cutter people. You want people that balance each other out a little bit. But there's a there's a definite block of, of skills and talent that you're looking for. And you interview for it and you assess it. And, and, and so forth. For data science, um, 
I think there's much more of a portfolio model approach that makes sense and, and gives good results. And so when I built my team, um, partly it was because it was a very organic, iterative, scrappy way of doing it, but we grabbed people from all over from all different backgrounds. Some people came out of engineering, some people came out of social sciences um, and people learned and, and there was a lot of self-teaching, a lot of self-training, it's a young discipline so you can't count on any sort of, you know, everybody has to have had a data science undergraduate degree. No, it doesn't make sense, nobody has that. And so you look for the potential and you look for the self-learning and you look for skills that can kind of complement each other. Like some people are better with their like really scrappy coding and proof of concept. Other people know the theory really well and can derive a new approach to doing some kind of like, you know, um, optimization algorithm, like from first principles, like that's actually really handy. We literally did that and it was useful and embedded it into our product. Um, and so having those complementary skill sets winds up creating really a much stronger team, um, much more tangibly, I think, than it does perhaps in other disciplines where you kind of know what skill sets you want a priori. Here, it's more like, no, let's just get like a lot of diverse backgrounds and, and, uh, and expertise and see what happens. Well, it definitely sounds like you spend a lot of time thinking about how to build these teams and anybody would be fortunate enough to be on your team and I'm sure they will get a very nurturing environment to not only <laughs> learn, but actually unlearn, relearn, and then be really good at, uh, at the disciplines of data science and data engineering. So thank you. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. All right, let's move to a slightly funner part of the conversation. We always ask people who are three or four other people that you would recommend we invite on the show. And we do that because we don't have a managed guest list for this uh, podcast. Everybody that comes and joins us and educates other VPs um, gives a virtual high five to other a few other people who we also invite. So we will think we like to think of it as you left a little bit of your legacy with us and you actually helped shape this community. So who would be three or four other people that you'd recommend we bring onto the show? All right. So not to say that the other part of today wasn't fun, but this is fun. Um, top of mind for me, I've been a fan uh, and tracking John Crone ever since our paths crossed some number of years ago in the ad industry. He's now become an expert in deep learning. I believe he, he's chief data scientist at Untapped. Uh, big fan there. I recently become acquainted with uh, Diane Hu, who leads a data science or machine learning uh, team over at Etsy and I think is really impressive. I think she'd be really great to talk to. And then I have a couple of former colleagues from AppNexus whom I think are wonderful. Um, you've already spoken about Michael Masewicz, but another couple uh, leading teams are Stephanie Tseng and Abe Greenstein. Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely tag them in the LinkedIn post and if they'd be willing to come and educate all of us on the things that they're working on. Uh, would be would be great. But I'm sure people are going to listen to this podcast and want to connect with you and either ask more questions or just come work for you. So what would be the best great. way for them to connect with you? Well, certainly check out the Qualtrics job board. We're hiring ML, um, specifically NLP, but other disciplines as well, roles, both uh, scientist and engineering roles, as well as pure software development engineering roles. So come check those out, first of all. And number two, check me out on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, Catherine, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for giving us another way of thinking of how the three, uh, the trifecta model can be used to achieve success. And best of luck in your journey. 
Thank you so much, Asher. This has been fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers. 